I want to take advantage of uh, the offering to do a little introductions to save a little time. You know, uh, Paul wrote that the word of God in the epistles has its own inherent power. And it's just a whole separate thing besides the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the word of God, God. And God is going to come to us today through Jack Willis, the word of God. But I was thinking about everything that we go through and just the testimonies today about what God's doing, what people are struggling with. And I think in our times, there's something that's set up where uh, we just come into a passivity. And there is just a, be a, there's a place where we need a breakthrough. There's a word, and it's left my mind right now. And it's desperation. Desperation. And I believe that we need to pray for a desperation today because the word of the Lord is going to come to us. But because of passivity and our unbelief and the trials that are so big, desperation seems to slip to the back burner and it takes away by a place of passivity. But I believe desperation can bring an expectancy. And I want us to pray. I want us to stand right now and I want us to pray. I don't care what your situation's been like, what you're facing, and how passive you've been. We're going to pray and believe that as the word of the Lord comes, that something is going to break and change off of us. And we are going to have uh, just a desperation. Lord, we pray for a desperation to come upon us, that your Holy Spirit would break us out of passivity, break us out of unbelief, Lord, in those places that we don't figure anything's going to happen. And we don't know what happens between being desperate, Lord, and have an expectation, but we pray that there's an expectation that's going to be released as we are become desperate. And God, we ask that anointing to come through the word and that own inherent power of the word will break something off of us today. Every one of us has something that we're facing. And God, it's not an impossible thing that every one of us becomes desperate. Oh. Wow. I guess you could desperately sit down. Thank you, Bruce, very much. That's a lot of confirmation in this in this meeting. You know, I I love the the Holy Spirit, the way He works. And uh, when you're when you're going to do something, you know, it's really really nice to have that uh, confirming power come from the heavenlies, come from the Holy Spirit in our lives, and. Uh, I know you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you've, you've, you've felt the encouragement of the Holy Spirit in your life, I, I'm sure, many, many times. Um, let's, let's have a word of prayer, too. I, I want to just follow up with, with, with uh, Pastor praying. And, and uh, um, I, I really feel that this is going to be a very important time right now. We, we, we've been talking about Jesus. I, as a young man and preaching for 51 years, I, I have found a key that if you talk about Jesus... Pretty much everybody goes for it <laughs> in Christian church, of course, you know. But um, we've been talking about that. We've been talking about seeing Jesus and what really, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the statements was the problem with seeing Jesus is that we, need, we, we see ourselves. When we see Jesus clear, we see ourselves. We take a really good look at ourselves. Amen. So let's, let's uh, pray. Let's, let's ask God to just... Um, Loosen our hearts. I I, I feel like uh, there's such a solemn uh, attitude 
here uh, this morning. Uh, um, we're we're going to have to lose that for the uh, for the next hour. The real solemnness, you know, uh, uh, not lose the power of the solemnness that that or the, the what comes with that solemnness. But uh, but to receive the word, I believe this morning, we just just we're going to have to lighten our hearts just a little bit and allow God to to get by. Some of the things that we've allowed, we've come into church with today, because I really feel that that there are some some major difficulties in some people's lives here, major things that they've been facing, major things that they've been going through, and um, in some cases, I, I don't know why this word, you know, that like the desperation and and the trust and all these words this morning were coming, and and they're 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 powerful, powerful words, and God is I really believes wants to wants us to walk out of this place today with more hope in our heart than we've ever had. Just more hope. Uh, just, just like, like, like uh, hey, hey, I've been in this thing for years, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of this. I'm getting out of this. I'm, I'm not, this, isn't gonna, this isn't gonna be my normal lifestyle. This is gonna be norm for me. Norm for me is gonna be, you know, that, that flooding of God in my life, that, that, that hope of God, that, that, that Christ in you, the hope of glory, you know, that kind of thing, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start looking at, 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 at glorious instead of uh, getting by. I mean, this is what God, God's glorious. He sits on a throne. You know, he doesn't, God, he's not, he's not talking to you from a pit. He's on the throne. And not only that, not only, not only is he on the throne, he goes as far as to say in Ephesians, I made you to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So, so, uh, so I'm really thinking that maybe he doesn't want us like at a level that we can keep ourselves at because man, I can keep myself at a terrible level. <laughs> I've proven that over the years. But God doesn't want to, God wants to raise us up. God wants to raise us up. Whatever you're going through this morning, whatever, whatever's facing you, uh, 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 whatever it is, that God wants to, God, uh, uh, God wants to fill us with the hope this morning that if God be for you, who can be against you? And greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. A just man can fall seven times, but he's going to rise right back up again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but it's the Lord who delivers them out of them all. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run into it are safe. This is the things that we're zeroing in on this morning. Okay, let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for the goodness of God. I thank you for the, the, the words of testimony that have come, Father, uh, from, from the people of God. And, and Lord, the, the, just the words that you're speaking, Father, today. Lord, speak to our hearts. Uh, uh, grasp uh, our heart today. And let, let us to feel that. Uh, uh, I, I know many of us are, or maybe wonder, how do I get to that, that, that place of desperation? How do I get to that place of really going after God in that, in that uh, framework of mind? Uh, Lord, help us, Father. Help us decipher through the word uh, where we're at and what we need to do, how we need to do it, and uh, Father, but uh, most of all, that you're there to do it for us and do it with us, Father. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Desperations, uh, uh, we were talking uh, the other day, and, and, and this kind of came up. I, I, uh, you, know, you know, being desperate, uh, it depends on the attitude that you're in where you're going to go with desperation. If you're in a negative attitude, you're going to go in a demanding form to God. Why don't you do it? Come on, man. You, you, that kind of thing. But if you're really desperate for God and you, your attitude is right, 
You're going to come before God with humility, fall on your face and just say, God, I'm here. I'm yours. You know, here, uh, you, you got to you just, just, just do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Because usually in a place of desperation you come to, you're, you're in that kind of a spot. You're in that kind of an attitude. You're, 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 you, you, you don't have any hope left. Let me, let me, here, let me, I'll, I'll tell you, let me, let me clarify some things. Uh, desperate. Desperate. Now, it's, it's, you know, we, we talked about this before, you know, I, I, and so it's not like, like I'm, whoa, you're going, wow, man, Bruce said desperate and Jack went in desperate, you know. No, I, I, I planned on doing this for a few days now, this, this, this particular message, all right? So, so uh, uh, desperate, listen, very, listen, listen to this definition. Very sad and upset because of having little or no hope. Very sad. How many has ever been there? Hmm? Come on. Let me, <laughs> about six people, man. Maybe I ought to talk about tithe. That kind of gets a better, better response. Let's look at all the scriptures in the New Testament that verify that tithe is what you're supposed to do. No. Because of very little hope in our heart, that's a feeling or showing of despair. Despair. That, that, that despair is loss of all hope and confidence. Did, did you ever lose confidence in yourself? People could drum the confidence right out of you. There are things that I do now in my life, in my older years, my, my, my old age, that in, in my younger years I wouldn't even think about doing, but now I'm... I, you know, I, I, let me just use this term. I second guess a lot of things that I'm going to do. I second guess it. I stand there and I go into this mental gymnastic. Should I, should I not, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, should I. When the Holy Spirit is going, <clears throat> pardon me, can I say something here? Maybe bring things to your remembrance Whatsoever the Lord has told you. Can, can, can I get in here? Can I get in here? But you see, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the, in the, in the, the hopelessness of the situation that man, you, you can't see. And, and that's, that's only right. You can't see. That's why there's scriptures in the Bible that says, even if you lose your faith, I'll remain faithful to you. Because he knows as human beings, man, we can get into a pit of despair that's pretty low. I've had good friends that have committed suicide. Maybe at that moment, if they would have just reached out and talked to somebody, I'm convinced, and in, in several, if I could have just been there before they pulled the trigger, or before they took the pill, or before they used the rope. And just gave a word of encouragement or something that, that brought a flicker, a flicker of hope. It would have changed the whole situation. Many of them be alive today. Looking back at it and having a powerful testimony saying, man, this is how far I was gone. This is how far I was gone. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me talk to you. Despair, we're either going to be demanding to God or, 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 or really humbled by our situation and come before him. And let, 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 turn with me in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me in your Bibles to the, the, the book of, uh, 
of Ephesians chapter 5. You see, we, 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 there, there's certain things that are happening now even in our, in our society and in our world and in America that, that is uh, causing some real desperate situations, desperate attitudes in you and I. The Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. Well, naturally looking at it, we have, we have some real desperate situations that we're looking at right now, uh, uh, election-wise, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all over the, the, the country, the, the things that are happening. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people that are grasping for straws, not really understanding the whole uh, matter of what's going on. And, and it's, it's just that, that, that we're going to do something, and it's going to be an impetuous type move in some people's cases. And, uh, and, but God... Here's the whole thing. But God is still there. No matter what, no matter what happens to that. And, and when we look into the spiritual, whatever happens in our life, God is still there. He's never going to leave us or he'll never forsake us. He'll, that's not he leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. So that statement in itself should bring some kind of hope. A flicker of God's hope to me. So let me read you something. See, we're, we're, we have a wake-up call. But I want to show you something, God's wake-up call. You know, I, I've seen hotels and stuff like that, and at times be, uh, uh, you put a wake-up call at the front desk, you know, in a certain time in, uh, in the morning, ring, ring, you know, a call comes in, you know, and now I didn't even talk to you. Usually, uh, when I was uh, younger, going, uh, they say, hello, Mr. Willis, uh, yeah, it's time to get up at 7 o'clock, you know, or whatever, you know, uh, not like that, you know. Now it's just, you know, the, the thing rings, it doesn't, nobody says anything, but uh, <laughs> but that's the way it is, you know. Um, uh, let, me, let me read the scripture for you. Verse 14, chapter 5 of Ephesians. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. That's pretty clear. Awake you who sleep. So so he's talking to people who are asleep. So we've got, uh, in some cases, our nation is kind of asleep. We need a wake-up call. The church maybe is asleep. We need a wake-up call. The individual asleep. We need a wake-up call. But you see, I'm noticing something about wake-up calls, you know? Uh, you could have, you could have three children or four children, and I notice that when you go and wake these children up, that every one of them don't wake up the same way. You know, you got one that the alarm rings, boom, hey, hey, morning, hey, all right, praise the Lord, man, I'm not, and those kind you can't hardly get along with. I mean, man, you don't want somebody like that in your home. Happy in the morning, and you, you know, hey, brushing my teeth. Uh, then you got the person that lays in bed who has to leave, who wakes up by scent, smelling coffee and bacon, and and mesmerized walks down to the kitchen. Good morning. Uh, uh. Like night of the living dead just kind of got up, you know. There's the ones that are in bed that you literally have to threaten. You see this water? It's going in your face if you don't get up in the next second. Uh, Not everybody gets up the same way. I mean, you have to determine how you wake up, you know, or how you can wake up. By the way, we went down to see Mark and he wasn't there, uh, uh, Jeff, and he wasn't there. So we didn't get to see him. So just wanted to report, Lynn. <laughs> Waking up. How do you, you know, is it hard for you to wake up? 
Is it hard for you to wake up in the natural? Do you have a tough time? Uh, see, see, it's first the natural, then the spiritual. Sometimes in the spiritual realm, man, we, we have a hard time waking up. We, we, we just, we, you know, some of us just refuse to get up. And so he's saying here, uh, you see, and I think God knew this. I think God knew that, that not everybody wakes up the same, so there's some resistance that's going to take place. So he goes the next step. Listen to this. Uh, let, me, let me read this in entirety. Listen to this. This is, this is very, very cool. And, and, and this is for you and I and for our sakes that God wrote this. He says, awake you who sleep. Listen to this one. And arise from the dead. <laughs> God isn't even going to let us be dead, man. I mean, come on. Uh, arise from the dead. He's saying, I'm not only wanting to wake you up. I want those of you who are dead, I want you to arise from the dead. Listen, we've got whole religions today that are, that are, that are in dead death that need to be raised up. Boy, you guys, I tell you, you guys are tough, a tough crowd here. I'm wondering if this is right or not. I'm wondering if I should have rode a motorcycle into the church this morning. I realize you guys are really listening really hard, but you're listening a little bit too hard for me. I, I, I don't know. Arise from the dead. Can you imagine that? A wake-up call that God will go as far to wake you and I up and stand us upright in the right will, in His will. Because that's what it's saying here. Look, Wake up. Wake up. It's time for you and I to arise from sleep. It's time for you and I, if we're dead, to rise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. I mean, this is, this is awesome. I wish I wrote this stuff, man. This is good. See that you walk circumspectly or carefully. Walk carefully. Not as fools, but as wise Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, I mean, this, this kind of narrows it down. It just, it just solidifies what, what's going on in our world today. The days are evil. And I'll tell you something about darkness. You know, gross darkness, the Bible says, is going to cover the face of the earth. So we're not going to get rid of that. We're not going to have world peace. So I've been praying for that for years. Stop. Focus your prayer somewhere else. We need light switches inside of us more than anything else, man, so God can flick on that light. Because in our own personal experience, the world is going to get dark, but the Christian is not supposed to. We're supposed to have that kind of light that God is talking about. And when light gets flipped on in any room that's dark, darkness is dispelled. And this is the only way it's going to go. You can't walk into a room and go, Oh, nobody, darkness, go, darkness, go, darkness, go, darkness, go, darkness, go. Here, you know, uh, you're not going to go in there. And, uh, no matter how hard you pray, no matter how hard you cry out, it's not going to happen. But you flick on the switch. That's all it is. You flick on that switch. It's gone. So when you and I, we have to have this kind of experience with God, where He's saying, "Wake up!" And if you're dead, I'll pick you up. But I have to get my light in you, and you have to walk out of the despair. And walk out of the, 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 the things that you're wrapped up in and tore up with. You've got to allow God to get us a lot more desperate when we meet him. 
Listen to this. It's become involved in extreme measures in an attempt to escape. This, this is what, this is what, the, what the, 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 the answer is here. To get out of desperation, you become involved with extreme measures. I remember Pastor Bruce was talking about a breakthrough, you know. I remember as, as kids growing up, as, as young people in the Lord, man, 20 years old, 22 years old in the Lord, you know, years and years ago. I remember having all-night prayer meetings, man, and sitting in those all-night prayer meetings. I remember, I remember it was like popcorn sometimes, you know. Uh, people, people are getting set free, and you can hear people crying, people weeping, people speaking in tongues, people, people going out. About four in the morning, you see some guy over the, over the corner who sat there all night by a pew just going like, all of a sudden, ah! He breaks through. But you see, I don't know if we're willing to do these kind of things. I don't know if we're willing to, 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 to put ourselves in those kind of places anymore. We just want the instantaneous drive-through restaurant type thing. Give me the bag and I'm gone. And so, so I'm not trying to be harsh or anything like that. Uh, not much. But, but you know, the thing is, is, it's serious. We're in serious times in our life right now. We're in serious times, not only in our country, but in our lifestyles. We're in serious times trouble in some cases and we need some desperate measures we need some of these things that he's talking about these 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 uh, uh attempts to escape need to be severe in some cases not just sit back and hope that it happens que sera sera whatever will be will be i'll just let god happen i'll just let it happen you know Desperation is very, very bad or difficult to deal with. Uh, done with all your strength and your energy and very little hope of succeeding. This is what desperation, where, where it brings you. You have very little hope, if any at all, of succeeding in where you're at. Maybe some people right here in this, in this room right now have been locked up in certain types of sin for years. We tried getting out. We looked at it now. We just go with it. God doesn't want that to happen to you and I. He doesn't want us to get into that kind of a situation where we're coming to church trying to worship, trying to make sense of anything and try to give God the praise and the honor and the glory. And our whole life is filled with despair. Wow. Man, I got to get this introduction done. I can tell that right now. How desperate are you for God? How desperate are you? For, are, are you? How desperate am I for God? I, I'm not, I, now listen to me when I say that. I'm not talking about how desperate are you for an experience with God? How desperate are you for a ministry in God? I'm talking about how desperate are you for God himself? How desperate are you to be connected with God, not with the stuff that he gives us, the prophetic and all these healing gifts and everything like that. You know, those are great. But being connected with God, being going after God himself, when we come to church, when we come to church in a meeting like this, what are we here for? 
You know, uh, you know, we can get religious and different things like that and kind of come up with these different different things, you know, and scriptural verses and everything like that. But when it boils down to it, what am I really sitting in this building for? Did I come to see what God was going to do? Did I come to see uh, who God was going to move on? Did I come in hope saying, gee, uh, maybe God will touch me? I mean, what did we come? How did we come here? Or did we come willfully knowing that I'm coming to throw myself before Almighty God today and whatever He wants to do in my life, I'm good with this. Some of us could be wrapped up in the same, same thing day after day and year after year after year and coming in the same testimony. You say, how's it going, man? And they'll tell you the same thing they told you last year. It might even be a little bit more severe. We have to do something about this. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just jump into something here. I'm going to go to Luke chapter uh, oh, chapter 8. Luke chapter I want. I, I just want to... I'm a storyteller when it comes right down to it. And I want to tell you a story here. I want to tell you something about, about the stories in the Bible, though. You know, the stories in the Bible... We're not put together like the stories in the Bible are not a conglomeration of short stories for our reading enjoyment. The stories of the Bible, they're strategic in their nature, totally strategic in their nature. And and, and they're, they're strategic in a way to lead you and I to the truth of God's will for our life. This is what the stories of the Bible are for. This is the purpose of these stories in the Bible. There, there's a tremendous story in Luke chapter uh, uh, chapter 8. And, and, and this story concerns a couple of people, but uh, uh, the, the desperation of these people are actually far beyond uh, um, human, human grasp. Well, I'm going to start reading in verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him. Okay, so now you've got a situation here where, where, where it's not an adverse situation. You've got a situation where Jesus comes into the midst of a great group of people and they're, they're happy about it. I mean, they're thrilled that he's there. They welcome him. Oh, Jesus, man, it's so good to see you, man. man there's high fives and hugs and all kinds of things going on. It's a great time. It's a, it's a, it's a tremendous atmosphere, a beautiful atmosphere of, 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 of wanting God to be there in your midst, you know? It says here, and, that, that, and that's, that's what it was. It says they were waiting for him. They were waiting for him. Man, what, what a way to come to church, man, welcoming Jesus and waiting for him, man. Just, hey, man, whatever you want to do, man, woo. I'm in. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. So he had stature. He had a place. He had the robes to prove it. He had all these kind of things going for him. The thing I want to tell you is, remember, not everyone liked Jesus at that time. Most leaders in that time didn't, didn't, didn't really like him. They weren't really for him. So in order to acknowledge him as one of the... God, Pharisees or whoever you were, is, in order to acknowledge him, you're kind of going out on a limb here, ain't it? Because, because most of your buddies didn't really care for this guy. So you come in and you start saying good things about him. Like my high school principal. I never had a good experience with my high school principal because I never met the guy. But I, you know what? I had all my friends tell me he wasn't good. He was a bad, terrible person. You never want to go up in front of him. He's unfair. He wants to just hurt people. I don't even know why he's the principal of the school. Man, he should be in Stalock 13, man, with the whip. 
The guy's nasty. He's terrible. Terrible. One day in my junior year, I got caught doing something. In my junior year, three years it took. And I was called into the office. That loudspeaker system that cracks and crackles. And when your name appears over the loudspeaker system, you know it's not to encourage you about anything. Jack Willis carried out the S. Jack Willis. Report to the principal's office immediately. And all your buddies who told you about this guy are going, <laughs> you know, there's not, a, there's not a, 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 an encouraging word in the house at this point. You're walking down the hallways of this school, man. I was about, you know, five foot two in high school and about 28 waist, can you imagine? And I'm walking down the halls to go to the principal's office, and there he is. You know, I walk and open the door, and, and he says, I knock on the door first of all. You know, everything's, everything's magnified when you're in trouble, you know. You know, come in. No hiding. Can't sneak in. You're in trouble. Sit down. It's one of these armchairs, these arm things, you know. And I'm, I'm, I, honestly, I'm so short and so small. I'm, I'm like this. <laughs> I already feel insignificant in this place, you know. I didn't really need this, man, you know. <laughs> and he wheels around on me. He's looking out the window at the train tracks out there, knowing that the next train is coming. He's going to bite it off the track. Huge head. Sharp teeth. He wheels around at me. I thought it was going to be like Darth Vader. Give me a couple of them and head goes lopping off on the floor. I'm sorry. You know? Finally walks over to the desk and he puts his hand on the desk and he looks at me. Stares at me. And then he does something that was totally terrible. I mean, I wish he would have hit me, Bruce. I wish he would have just taken some knife or something and run it across my face so that when I went back to the classroom, the kids would see my face all cut going, oh, and I go, oh, it was terrible, man. It was terrible. It's the worst experience I ever had in my life, man. I'm lucky to have a head. I'm lucky to have a head. I had a reputation again. I, I, you know, I couldn't go back to the class and tell this guy's a nice guy. I mean, come on. He started talking to me like a father. He started talking to me like a father. And he continued this thing on and, and encouraged me and really lifted me up and, 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 and said good things and nice things about me. And, and the capabilities that I had in my heart, I was, I was missing. And, and, and that, that, that he, I needed to be a leader, man, and not a follower. And then he said something that was terrible. You can go. <laughs> Break my arm. And so I walked out of there really kind of like, holy mackerel. Dude, 
And I get back to the class. Oh, what happened? What happened? What did he do? What did he do? You know? Oh, uh, it's all right. It was uh, no, it wasn't too bad. It was all right. you know, just downplaying. I didn't want to go and say you know, become an evangelist for the you know the school principal. He's a great guy, man. I tell you, you should try and go to his office a couple of times, talk to him. He's like a dad, you know. <laughs> Couldn't do that. Good grief! How could I? Talk this guy up. But you know what? I was flunking out of high school because I was always a year to a year and a half younger because my parents, when they put me in, in, in first grade, they didn't have to put me in first grade. They, they chose to do that, but I could have went to kindergarten, but because I fell in a certain age bracket, I didn't have to go to kindergarten if I didn't want to. I needed that sand in my eyes. <laughs> Who do my parents think they were telling that? Yeah, jump him right up to first grade. He'll be fine. He wasn't fine. When I had the opportunity, my son David was in first grade, and he was, he'd come home crying. He couldn't do the simplest problems. You know what we decided we're going to do? Keep him back a year. This is not an easy, easy decision for your pride as a parent or anything else. And for him. We kept him back a year. It made all the difference in the world. The kid wasn't frustrated in school. He did the problems. He, he was able to do the math. He was able to do all that stuff. He's a journeyman in this trade right now. He's just just really good kid. Didn't scar him. But I was always a year to a year and a half younger than everybody else in the class. And I, I had a hard, very, very difficult time catching the concepts of what they were trying to teach. And I was failing. But when I came back from my senior year, that talk that I had with this man changed my whole perspective that one little talk and I was in trouble when he talked to me I came back started volunteering for plays and different things like that that's totally out of my nature you know doing this you know and and, and just volunteering for all these kind of different things and everything that night I, I graduated high school not with honors but far greater than I ever thought I would Man, you know this kind of thing. You know, uh, God wants to, wants to to do some things in our life that's so positive and so powerful. I didn't have too much hope at that time, even getting out of high school. I just, I just didn't even. I, I was already I was already going the opposite direction. I was already not caring. I didn't care. We can get that way in our Christian walk too. We just don't care. We don't care. Don't you know that's wrong, man? I don't, I don't care. I don't see anything happen around me anyway. We get to a place where there's no hope. There's despair. We're kind of walking in this, 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 this place where, man, we don't even want to be, but we, we walk there anyway. Jairus, he, he was a guy that, that nobody liked him. Like my high school principal, nobody liked Jesus. 
But Jairus thought he'd take a chance here, okay? Jairus says he, he, he was a ruler in the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and he begged him. Listen to this now. Listen to this. Here's a ruler in the synagogue. He begs Jesus. He didn't care if his friends were standing there. He didn't care if anybody was standing that knew him in the street. What he did was he came down and it says he fell at Jesus' feet. He fell down at his feet. So this man with glorious robes and everything else fell down in a defiled earth, a defiled path that men and animals and everybody else walked on and desecrated he fell down on his face before God and at Jesus' feet and begged him I need you to come why did he beg him like that? what what drove this man to desperation? because he had an only daughter she was 12 years old in age and she was dying she was dying You got to understand something here. The story didn't start there, okay? The story started when he was there in the house with his wife. And his daughter was laying in the bed taking death-rattled breaths. And he stood there looking at his wife, and his wife was crying, and she she was just destroyed in her spirit and heart. And the man sat there, not knowing what to do with this ruler, this ruler who, who, who has the authority to say this and say that, had no power or anything to do anything. He couldn't do a thing. This was tough next because he had to say to his wife, he had heard, he had heard somewhere about this guy, Jesus, and he knew, he knew, Ken, that Jesus was coming through town. He must have known that. He had to know that. He didn't just haphazardly run out, but he had to tell his wife. He had to say to his wife, who was sitting there with their dying child, I have to go now. You, can you imagine what this is going to do to this lady? Can you imagine what she's hearing? He's bailing, man. This is the time when she needed him the most and the, the daughter needed him the most. And he's taken off, man. He's taken off. This is desperation. It, did, it didn't make any difference. This was the last hope, man. There was nothing left after. There was nothing left but to watch her die in that bed. That's what's left. To hear my wife after it's all over saying, maybe we could have done something. Maybe there was something we could have done. Maybe, maybe we could have did more. We could have did more. I know we could have. He tells her, honey, I got to go. And she goes, what? She says, I got to go. I, I, I have to go. There's a, there's a guy I need to see. I need to see if he'll come to the house. I, I need to see if he'll come. I, 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 I got to do this. And, and I don't know the wife. I, I, you know, I know how it was when my wife was dying. The family was there. And me as a dad look up and go, hey, kids, I got to go. I got to go. There's a void of understanding here on the part of this woman. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't understand her saying, yeah, yeah, you go, you go, do it. He leaves them and he goes and, and he falls in the face. It says here when he got there, he went and the multitudes thronged him. And the woman, uh, he went in the multitude. Okay, okay, now, now, now I, I got to stop here for a second. He goes to Jesus. Enoch, he goes to Jesus. He throws himself on the, on the ground. He cries out. He wallows. 
He's his tears. He's a, he's a muddy face now. He's got, his hands are all dirty. He, he, his robe is dirty. Everything is dirty. And, and he gets up from the ground and tries to brush himself off maybe a little bit. And, and Jesus looks at him after he presents this, this case to Jesus. And Jesus can He starts moving toward the house. He's, he's, he's saying, he is, here's the hope coming back. The hope starts filling back into, into the Jairus' life. His heart, he's going, oh God, oh God, oh, oh please, please come, come. I live over here, I live over here, I live over here, you know. And, and Jesus is walking, his disciples, they're all coming. The crowd is looking, going, you know, wow. And then, and then. Oh, God, there always has to be an end to him. Now, a woman. See, see, both of these stories that are combined with each other, these stories that are told here are told in a framework of time that both of them are very critical in nature. Both of them need something right now. Jesus is moving to Jairus' house. And a woman with an issue of blood, having this issue of blood for 12 years, who spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not, not not was not healed, could not be healed. Nobody could find anything to do for her. It was hopeless. Go home and die. Came from behind and touched the border of Jesus' garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. But so did Jesus. Jairus had him moving toward the house, and all of a sudden, Jesus, somebody touches him. And Jesus stops. Look, 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 Jesus, Jesus says things like this. He says, uh, who touched me? Now, it was kind of an absurd question because everybody was touching him. They were thronging him. That means they were all in one spot. They were, you know, touching him here and there. And, you know, somebody was, you know, reaching over the crowd trying to, just touch his shoulder or whatever. His disciples looked at him and maybe said, who touched you? Master, everybody's, they're, they're, we're trying to keep people off of you right now. They're just, to, this little kid has been hanging on your leg since 5th Street, man. <laughs> the lady with the purse, I don't even know, I don't know what she's trying to do. Who touched you? Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out of me. See, there was a different kind of a touch here, okay? You got, you got two different things here, okay? There's two different things. I want, I'm just share this with, with you really quick, and, and another 20 minutes we'll be back right on track. <laughs> There's two different things listed here. One of them, listen, they had a crowd that thronged him, and then he had a lady who touched him. So you got two different aspects here, touchers and throngers. Now, we got to figure out who we are here. See, a thronger, a thronger is not a bad person. Brian, they're not bad people. They're not like, you know, you know, you know, you know. throngers are people who really, listen, I'll tell you, here, here's some of the characteristics of touching and thronging. Thronging, a, per, a thronger wants to see a miracle, a sign, and a wonder. A toucher becomes a miracle, a sign, and a wonder. A thronger will sometimes be part of the crowd, at least in the vicinity where Jesus is, like the church. They'll be part of the crowd. Hallelujah and everything else. However, a toucher will do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. They're the ones who go up to the altar before the message is over. 
A thronger will sometimes touch or accidentally even sometimes bump into the Lord now and then. Well, God really touched me that meeting, man. Shut up! Really took. Bump into him, yeah. See, but a toucher will be deliberate in their attempts to grab a hold of him. A thronger will many times deny the Lord because of their lifestyle. They'll deny the Lord because of their lifestyle. But a toucher will become a living testimony of God's grace and power. A thronger will have, most of, most of the time, will have a, a third-person testimony. You should come to our church, man. I want to invite you to come to our church. You see what he's doing. He is touching so many people right now. I'm telling you, you should hear the messages that our pastor's preaching. You should, you know, it's all this, that, and the other. But a toucher will be a first-person testimony. You need to come to our, our, our church, man. Look what God has done in my life, man. They're a first-part testimony. A toucher will be a spectator or a fan of worship. Did you know that they're spectators and fans of worship? In the, They like the sound of the worship and everything else, you know, but... See, worship has three different parts to it. Let me, let me tell you. One of them is spectacular, subjective, and objective. Spectacular is like being a football fan. Spectacular worship. You're there to root it on. Cheer it on, man. You know, can you imagine quarterback of your favorite team? You finally get tickets to go. You got really good seats. And, and I don't know what your team is, but whatever your team is, and, and they're up, you know, and, and, and the quarterback's down, and he calls the play, and pretty soon he takes the snap of the ball, you know, and he's going back to throw the ball. And you got these linebackers on the other team, and they're, 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 they're beat. They, they, they wear headsets that says, Get the guy with the ball. Get the guy with the ball. That keeps going over in there. <laughs> and so they're after the ball. They don't care where, who else is there. They're after the guy with the ball. <laughs> Norm, Jude, I'm going to use you guys for, t- uh, you know, because I, I love you, man. Norman Jew, we've known each other for 42 years. I've embarrassed him more than once in family camps and stuff, so we'll do this again. <laughs> the quarterback takes a snap, and he looks downfield, and there's guys that are open downfield on his team, and the linebackers are coming. Get the guy with the ball. And instead of going downfield, he looks up in the stands, and he sees Norm up there. Whoa, man. And he pitches that ball to Norm, man. And Norm is looking. And the crowd, nobody could believe it. This ball is coming to him. And Norm catches the ball. And the linebackers, get the guy with the ball. And they're coming up after this guy. Norm looks. He's got a choice now. Oh, I either do what I'm supposed to do with this ball, go for the touchdown, or here, Judy. <laughs> Lateral. In church, God's Holy Spirit wants to throw the ball to you or I, man. And we're sitting back there, man, trying to pass it off to somebody else. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. (laughs) Spectacular worship. We don't want to be involved. I'll lift my hands. Come on, guys. There's, there's also 
There's also not only spectacular worship, there's subjective worship. What's in it for me? I'm going to go to church, man. I, I hope God has something for me. Then what we, what, what we carry in the church is we don't carry in a pleasing God attitude, Dory. We, ca- we carry in an appeasing God attitude. Hey, I'm here, man. What are you going to do? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> I love you, man. Ooh, what is that? Anyway. <laughs> and then there's objective worship. And that's where like a little child, you come before God. And he's your father. And it's like you've just seen him for the first time in a long time. And you put your arms around him and love on him. I have a little, little, two little dogs at home. One little Yorkie named Chase and one little Pomeranian named Maya. No offense over there. <laughs> I've told you this before, you know that. Little, little Chase, he sees me come home after a trip like this. I'll go in the house, and he, honestly, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll hyperventilate because I'm there. Oh, 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 oh. I thought, hey, it's okay, it's okay. And I pick him up, and, and I say, okay, cuddle with me. Boom, he puts his little head in here, and I'm going, okay, okay. And little Maya, little Maya, I'll pick up little Maya, and she'll throw her paws literally around my neck. And she'll start nibbling my ear. Just kiss, and I could. I don't have to be gone for three or four days. I could be gone in the garage for ten minutes. This little loving dog, man. I'm telling you, you no. And we can come to church going, okay, God, do something for me. I'm here. Maybe we don't project that kind of thing, but maybe our attitude does. See, a toucher doesn't do that. A toucher will participate in a relationship. Comfort, faith, health, and peace will come to that. See, see what it says here. It says, Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people. Listen, she not only got healed. You know, now you got to understand, Jairus is standing there, Bruce, he's standing there waiting for Jesus to move again if he ever is going to. And now this woman looks and she's not hidden. She decides to give her testimony. (laughs) It all started when I was four. Oh, God, Jairus, man, I'll give you four, one of these and three of them. I mean, there's a little anxiousness that comes over somebody when you actually have Jesus moving toward you and all of a sudden he quits. You kind of feel a little left out. Now you're not desperate anymore as far as you're demanding now. Get moving! I'm going to kill you. I'm going to put you back on the ground again. Oh man, you know, whoo, all kinds of attitudes. Whoo, they all start coming. When you see, we've got to understand that Jesus knows this. The woman gives her testimony and Jesus says, Oh, he goes, daughter, oh, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And Jairus is standing there going, Oh, man, okay. And while he was still speaking, Jesus, someone came to the ruler of the synagogue's house saying, Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. We can't even imagine right now what 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 how, how this how this guy must he probably can't even stand. 
looks at Jesus in disappointment, despair. Why did you stop? How could you do that? You knew what I was going through. You knew. Look at this. My girl is dead. And she's fine. At least somebody made out on this, huh? I think I'm going to go home right now and face my wife. If I still have a wife. Here for the rest of my life, how I've really goofed up. Thank you. Jesus overhears the guy telling Jairus that his wife or his daughter's dead. He answers and says, Don't be afraid. Listen, listen, listen to this. He answers Jairus and he says, Don't be afraid, man. Only believe. And she will be made well. Listen, we're talking about being made well from a serious case of dead. Okay, she didn't have a headache or kind of a sick migraine or something that, you know, she was in bed and going to, you know, perhaps it would leave in a few days. No, 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 no. She was dead. And it was obvious she was dead. Jesus looks at it a whole different way. He didn't forget Jairus. He didn't forget what was going on. He didn't forget you and I. He came into the house and he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl, and now all wept and mourned for this little girl. But he said, listen, he seems to have a whole different thought pattern than you and I, which kind of the Bible, I think, even says something about that. Our thoughts aren't his thoughts, and his ways aren't our ways, saith the Lord. Don't weep, he says. Don't, it's not a time to weep. You guys need to be happy. What? What? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. I mean, was he trying to play tricks on them now? It wasn't bad enough. He stopped walking to the house and she died. Now he's got to tell them that she's just sleeping? What kind of a God is this? It's a God who has you in my life in control and knows it. Listen, I don't know how this happens, but it did. Do not weep. She's not dead, but she's sleeping. It says here, they all wept and mourned for her from, oh, 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 you hear in the room. Even the disciples were, were, were freaked out. Now they were, they were crying because the mom and dad were just broken up terrible. And when he says she's sleeping, it says they ridiculed him or they, they, they mocked him to scorn is what it says in the, in the King James. They mocked him to scorn knowing that she was dead. They started, they started ridiculing him. What are you, what's the matter with you? Just take a look at her. You're rubbing salt in the wound now? Come on, Jesus, this kind of attitudes, you know, man. I know my own heart. And I know if this happened to me and that was my kid in bed, I wouldn't be too happy about things right now. I'd have a little, what do they call that word? Sarcasm coming out of me. And not leaking either. 
I'm talking about flooding out. I wouldn't care if it was Jesus or who it was. My kid's dead. And now you're trying to tell me that's not true. What's the matter with you? They ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. It was obvious, knowing she was dead. But he put them all outside. He says, he's, I'd like to have every one of you guys just kind of go now. He put them all outside. And then Jesus took the girl by her little hand. He took that little hand in his hand. Now, I want to ask you a question. How much faith do you think she had at that moment? Uh, how much hope do you think she had at that moment? But he looked at her, and he says, little maid, little girl, it's time to get up, honey. <laughs> Jesus. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. Come on, guys. Jesus had this thing all calculated out. We saw it as total disaster, total despair, total failure on the part of God. And then he pulled something like this. Gee whiz. You can't even wallow in your own stupidity for a while. The parents came in. Ken, they looked at him. They looked at Jesus. They looked at the little girl who was back alive again. And it says they were astounded. Listen, listen. No, no, no. They were totally astounded. She arose immediately. What is the first thing that Jesus said to them? He looks at them and he looks at the little girl. And here's what he says to her. Here's what he says to the parents. You need to give her something to eat. You know the spiritual emphasis of this is? We got dead religions and dead people all outside the walls of this church. And when they come alive because of Jesus coming in, into their life, somebody has to be around to feed them. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. That's where the church comes in. That's where you and I come in as a church, man. We got to be there saying, man, we got the food, man. We're going to do it. And that mom and dad looked at Jesus. They looked at each other. They were totally astounded. I mean, this was a win-win day on two desperate, impossible, hurtful, despair-filled situations. There was no way to get out of this in a natural way. It had to be Almighty God. Her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened there. Now you read your own thoughts into that. But the fact of the matter was that two impossible situations were totally taken care of by Jesus when everybody around them thought that, that nothing could ever good happen from this situation. That's the God that we serve in the day that we're living in. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And that's the kind of God that I want to look to in the time that we're living in right now in our United States, in our churches. That's the God that we need to focus on. That's the heart that we need to see that's open to us. Just a few scriptures here. Psalm 78, 7, set your hope in God. Romans 8, 24, we are saved by hope. Job eleven eighteen, we are secured because of hope. Psalm 16, verse 9, there is gladness, rejoicing, and rest in hope. Psalm 31, verse 24, there is a courage and a strength in hope. Psalm 33, verse 18, the eye of the Lord is on them who hope. Romans 5 and verse 2, we stand and rejoice in hope. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, blesses the man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, spreading out her roots by the river. Shall not see when heat and drought comes. Won't even see it. (laughs) Galatians 5 and verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 1 Timothy 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 20. Kind of condensed here. to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. My soulish area, which is my thoughts and emotions and everything, that needs to be anchored, man. Because my thoughts, and I just start, start a good presidential campaign speech with me, and we're going to go. Somewhere. It might not be edifying sometimes. Because our minds take over. We've got to have a steadfastness, a strength and hope that brings that into bay, holds it back from harming, hurting people. Amen? Would you guys stand with me, please? I'm, I'm finished here. I, I said enough, maybe more than enough. Could we uh, focus on the Lord? I, I, I want, uh, in the time that we're living in, I, I, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I'd, I'd like to do this, okay? I'd like to invite everybody in this room to come to the altar. I'm, I'm going to cut this down so we're not like, hey, well, those of you that have this and this is. No, I think that everybody here in this room needs to be refreshed with a degree of hope in our hearts whether it's something you're going through personally or whether it's, it's, it's the time we're living in in America or whatever, uh, whatever it is. But I want to invite you to come. Would you come, please? Would you just come? Just come to the altar. Just come on down. Spend some time. You can't find it. Uh, just go up on the platform if you need to do that. So, uh, kneel down at the front chairs over here if you have to do that. But just come up. And, and, and for a few moments... For a few moments, let's just spend some time before God. Just, I mean, just a few moments. We're not going to be here for hours or anything like that unless you want to be. You're free to do that if you want to. Let's, let, let's just pray. Let's take our, 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 bring ourself before the Lord, okay? Can we do that? We'll bring ourselves before the Lord. Come on, guys. Just come uh, find a place. Just kneel down somewhere. You, you know, anywhere. Anywhere. The chairs, whatever. 
just just find a place to, to, to kneel down. If you have a hard time kneeling, just sit down in a chair somewhere. Sit down someplace. That's fine. No problem. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, Jesus hears you're in my cry. Jesus hears you're in my cry. And we're up at the, we're up at the altar for, for specific reasons. I, I called you down. But I, 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 you know, we're not embarrassing anybody by saying, "Hey, this might be in your life, or this might be in your life." I know we dealt with anger issues uh, on, on, on Thursday. We dealt with those kind of things and a, a lot of that. And, and uh, but, but, but uh, maybe you weren't here on Thursday or something. You have something like that in your life, and you're saying, "Man, this thing is destroying me. It's destroying me." And I, I, I really need to allow God. I really need to allow allow God to minister to my heart right now. I need, to, I need to break through in some areas. Maybe you're having trouble with, 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 with the things that are happening in America right now, which so many people are, but so many people don't have this kind of opportunity to, to, uh, to, to vent it to someone who really cares. They're on their own. They're facing these things on their own. And we don't have to do that because we have a God who's for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? We have a God that loves us. We have a God that's concerned, just like the woman that came with the issue of blood. She had a legitimate situation going on. Stop Jesus from moving towards somebody else. It looked like that in the natural, and you can say, how could Jesus even think about doing something like that? But man, I'll tell you, he had everything in control, just like he does now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no variableness or shadow of turning in God. Let's just lift our, our, our voices before the Lord. Please, I'm asking you something. I'm asking you to do something for me. Don't do anything in your mind. Don't think about praying in your mind. Uh, uh, speak it out. Speak it out to God. If there's some kind of issue that you have, you don't have to yell it so anybody hears you. But I'm just saying, God, I, I, have, I have trouble with anger, man. I really do. And I have trouble. I can see what it's doing. I can see what it's doing. Maybe there's some other issues, some other uh, 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 deep-seated issues that you have that you're saying, God, I, I've put this before you for years. Today's the day. Today's the day you can walk out. Today's the day you can say, hey, listen, I'm going to be a Jairus today. I'm going to be the woman with the issue of blood today. I'm going to be that. I'm going to walk out of here, and I'm not going to have that problem. I'm really not. I may slip and fall here and there, but man, I'm just going to come right back again, and I'm going I'm to I'm allow God to take hold again, because He doesn't fail. When Peter was on the water with Jesus, he saw the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. You notice that he didn't sink Jesus because his faith went bad. No, Jesus still stood there, just like He's standing for you and I right now. We could be sinking. We could be going down for the third time. We'd be going down saying we have no hope. We have no strength left. We have no breath left to give into this situation. But he's saying, hey, I do. I do. Father, you hear the voices of your people. You hear the cry of the hearts of your people, oh God. Lord, these are your people. These are your servants. These are the sheep of your pasture, oh God. And I'm praying right now that for, for marriages, for, for, for 
children, Lord God, for, for things that have put us into a place maybe in our lives that were in despair, oh God. We've gone down these roads time and time again. I like what Brother Ken said. He's on the highway, going down this tremendous highway that he built for himself. And then all of a sudden that highway is not in existence anymore. But he's going down this side road that's unfamiliar to him. But you're leading him, God. That's the whole purpose of that testimony. You're leading us. Even if we're in unfamiliar territory, oh God, you're there. The scripture goes as far as to say, I could make my bed in hell. Or I can have wings and fly up into the heavens. You're there. You're there. God, minister to our hearts today. Let us to walk out of here different men and women. We praise you. Let us to walk out of here different men and women. Oh, Lord, we praise you. Let us to have that attitude that Jairus had and the woman with the issue of blood had after it was all over with, oh God. After you moved in their life. Let us walk out of here with a fresh hope. A fresh hope, oh God. A hope that God is with me all the time. God is with me all the time. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know what to pray for, if if you're having a hard time even even getting some uh, words out in English, speak in tongues. Let let the the Lord speak through you. He knows the innermost wants and beings in in your your, uh, innermost being. Just minister uh, uh, that way in tongues, uh, it, it says in James, that it brings back to us. Let him build you up in the most holy faith. Don't walk out of here with a sense of defeat in any way, shape, or form. Walk out of here with a new hope, a new joy, a new love. Thank you, Jesus. God, we are totally in a receptive mood right now, and we're receiving from you, Jesus. We're receiving from your heart, Lord. There's couples here, there's singles here. There's some of us that really found out maybe this morning how desperate we really are for your touch. There's some of us here that say, I don't longer want to be a thronger. I don't want to be in the crowd, just be part of the crowd. I want to be someone who deliberately, deliberately wants to wants to grab onto your garment, oh God. Who touched me? (laughs) Who touched me? When she grabbed a hold of Jesus' garment, all the sickness that she had in her body shot through her arm into the hem of the garment and up into the body of Jesus. It rolled around there and crackled and snapped and popped and then it came back down the garment, back through the arm in the form of healing. And a total entire healing took place. No wonder why Jesus said, who touched me? Amen, Father. We just thank you. Bless you.
before everyone leaves, uh, we want to bless our brother Jack. This is how he lives. We want to be able to bless him back. Um, as you, if you can give him an offering, I'm going to have the ushers at the back door. If you can just um, put something in the basket. If you want to make out a check, make it out to Hillside and we'll write out one check. But we just want to bless our brother. He has been with us this week and he has been truly blessing to us in these three services that he's done. We want to bless him back. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Have a great fourth. Have a safe fourth. Thank you. 